0: This Tridio production is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and made possible by you, our listener. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit slash donate.
1: You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 45.
0: I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I am Scottish. I can complain about things.
1: hi i'm Dom bettinelli and you're listening to the secrets of doctor who where we discuss everything about the hit bbc series doctor who today we're discussing the two-part ninth doctor episodes aliens of london and world war three which i will conveniently categorize under the title of the slitheen and joining me today on the panel are father cory stika hi father cory How's it going? Good, and uh, Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. So let me play the sound of the trailer for the Aliens of London episode. I won't play both of them, but just so you get a a feel for it, and we can we can re-enter the world of uh, the Slitheen.
2: Whoever those aliens are, they haven't just arrived. They've been here for a while.
0: Harriet Jones, MP for Flight
2: I thought I was Prime Minister now. You are under arrest. Step away from the boss. Raise your hands above your head. Big Ben destroyed as a
1: UFO crash lands in central London. Yes, that was uh, the last part. I'm sorry. That was me uh, at watching this episode. <laughs> that was all. That was a collective yeah. scream of. I
2: feel a disturbance in the force, like millions <laughs> of souls crying out in unison.
1: So, so we're in agreement. I think that uh, now, these these may be the worst two episodes of dark of new Doctor Who. I won't comment on old
0: Doctor Who, but of new Doctor cer- Who, certainly uh, of season
2: fair. one of the new Doctor. I will these say, the worst.
0: To, to be fair, just to start out on a high point. Okay. There are there's one good thing about this episode, and I know we've talked about her before, but this is where Harriet yeah. Jones is introduced. Yes. yes. And the only reason why I remember that is because she's in the trailer. You know, <laughs> she, you know, she's always showing her little ID card. Harriet Jones, MP. Oh, MP for Flydale North.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I
2: love the name Flydale North because what you've got, I mean, just if you think about it conceptually. So Flydale, Dale means valley. Fly is a tiny, insignificant animal. And so it's like Fly Valley North. So it's like even further reduced insignificance. Exactly. But she's whipping out this idea like it's super
0: important. You know, this this is like Bug Tussle Texas or (laughs) Fly Spot, you know?
1: Yes. uh, So, uh, and, and yet she's at the center of everything. And eventually we'll find out she becomes somebody important. Um, which is, uh, I think the essence of, uh, oh, of I never met anyone pl- who
2: wasn't important.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, she becomes a, v- a VIP for the, in the government, um, yes. uh, which, uh, we'll talk about as we get to the end. Uh, so in a nutshell, um, Rose and the doctor have been traveling, um, and they return home and he tells her, Oh, it's only been about 12 hours. So don't worry about it. Uh, from their point of view, it's been days, uh, maybe even weeks, uh, well, it turns out that the Tardis missed and she's it's been a year. Uh, it's been tw- mm. instead of 12 hours, 12 uh 12 months. Um and so uh her mom Jackie saw, was all cre- you know upset and you know had suspected that Mickey had done something to her and so we have this all this drama, all this domestic drama which the doctor had just uh <laughs> had just got got through saying, you know, no domestics, you know, no 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 family on board the sh- uh, the Tardis. <laughs> mm
2: um and, and this is something new in uh, in in Doctor Who history. If you go back into classic who we whenever that we have companions, we have had some mention of families. Um, typically in their introductory episodes, uh, we, we know that Sarah Jane Smith had an Aunt Lavinia. We actually met a briefly Tegan Javanka's aunt, uh, before she was shrunk to death by the master. Um, but we haven't had this kind of ongoing domestic soap opera type element. Um, and you know, that was kind of an adjustment for a lot of classic Who fans when this started happening. Personally, I think it's a good thing. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily like the way it's always played. I think that Jackie and Mickey both initially are too unsympathetic. But um, but I think this greater texturing of the human relations right. on the show is something that does play to the show's advantage.
1: That's I, I, I do like that. And in fact, it's something that gets... Left behind again under uh, Stephen Moffat's.
2: Uh, well, it, for I it I eventually it comes and goes, but for a time in the classic Amy Rory period with River, right. we have basically a family traveling on the TARDIS.
1: Right, exactly. and then Rory's dad shows up, and and actually with Don, uh, yeah, well that's that's uh Russell Donna's David, family Donna's too did, and Martha's. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's but much less so like uh, uh, under Stephen Moffat's where we've got a lot less family. But I, I agree. I like the idea that we include some of, you know, the consequences of being a companion in, in your real life. Uh, I, I do like that part, but I do. Well, the thing,
0: thing we had, too, in Stephen Moffat was more of the, the companion spent more time off the TARDIS than they did on the TARDIS. Yeah. Amy and Rory had a house and everything they lived in for right. for a while. You see Clara teaching at Coal Hill School for quite a while, things like that. Yeah, That's she
2: true. was really the first off board companion in in a major way, where Clara mm-hmm. just would occasionally take a vacation on the TARDIS until she got addicted. But um yeah. but spent most of her time in her normal life. By the way, Dom, I had a question for you. Um <clears throat> you had you've mentioned in previous uh podcasts that initially when when Doctor Who came back on the air in two thousand five, you tried it and and got a few episodes into the season and then kind of bailed on it and i can't help wondering you know was this the point these two episodes uh the slitheen Sloth- plot i can't help but imagining that must have played a big role in your decision to bail
1: yes it did although the the i think the episode that i bailed on well so I didn't start watching in 2005. I started watching a couple of years later. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was from some uh streaming on iTunes uh stuff. But the one I bailed on was um after these two was the one where uh, we have a, I'm, I'm just, I was strictly quickly trying to find the title. Uh, uh The End of the World is the next one, which is um uh, Rose's Dad. Um Oh, th-
2: okay. Father's Day father's day
1: oh father's day i think so oh yeah because i i got through i'm trying to remember exactly um how uh, how it went but i think it was father's day that i that i ended up bailing on um because it was just too i don't know the the dragon things were just too too much for me Mm -hmm.
2: the the time thingies um you you actually got most of the way through the first season then because that was that's episode eight Yep. Yeah. And, oh, and you bailed just at the, just before the empty child and the doctor dances, mm-hmm. which actually were very good. That's what so, brought me back.
1: Yeah, I yeah. came. I came back to watch, uh, watch those and uh, to to watch the empty child. And I'm trying to remember actually now how uh, how it went. It was it was a while ago, but uh, you know how the sequence of events. But I think I, like I, I watched to the Slavine, and I think. That really did a number on my desire <laughs>
2: to watch Doctor Who. Um, I just and it's hard to imagine, you know, what was Russell T. Davis thinking? I mean this this pair is so bad, yes. That yep. when you, I mean it didn't torpedo the series, we know that, but but it just it's just going to drive away lots of people.
1: Yes. So let's you know, let's give a the very quick synopsis for those who are lucky enough to not have to have sat through this. But uh, Rose gets home. Before she can explain where she's been, a spaceship crashes into Big Ben. There's a worldwide crisis because aliens are real. Um, meanwhile, the British Prime Minister is missing. Um, the The doctor uh, is called in as one of the experts on alien life. Um, uh, mean, and then the meanwhile, there's somebody who's uh, taken over the key positions in government um, involving fat people. I'm sorry, but that's kind of... The joke that they're well, making—fat yeah. jokes, fart jokes, and 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 naked jokes—are pretty much the the, uh, the the extent of this, this show. Uh, Let's go
2: as repulsive as possible with the humor. <laughs> exactly
1: right. Yeah. Uh, they kill off anyone you know. All the wor- worldwide experts on alien life, um, except for the doctor, managed to survive. Then there, we find out that they're gonna—they're trying to start an interplanetary war for some reason because they want to slag the Earth and sell off its radioactive remains, which.
2: I'm not sure why the planetary war, I guess, you know, they're, they're trying to get humans to wipe humans out.
0: Basically the radioactive earth would be powerful enough to, or will be able to power uh, interplanetary interstellar ships. Right. Well,
1: the, Mm. the premise is that they're going to, they're going to fire off all the missiles to shoot at uh, a spaceship in, in orbit. But when in reality, they're going to have the missiles come back down and destroy earth itself. Mm. Um, It's not really all that important, but so uh
2: just we, the end of the world
1: yes uh we end up destroying um uh 10 downing street from a harpoon uh, missile attack uh our, our heroes survive um magically the slitheen don't uh the world uh has Mostly. changed and yes yeah. uh and That's mickey a- mickey manages to save the day by Using his Commodore sixty four to control naval weapons remotely,
2: with the with the password Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo is the password everywhere. Wow.
0: The entire UN, everything is Buffalo with two F's and one L. Really weak cybersecurity. By by the way, that's my that's my. Other than just the episode being bad, as a computer geek, that's the part I absolutely hate about shows like this. When they do this, oh, we've got this great computer thing. Tap 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 tap.
2: What? it's done yeah
0: this is unix i know this that's my yeah. class, classic line um well the funny part that was unix but still <laughs> that was a unix interface but uh well it's like yeah i i'm sure the you know the uk military has uh their their missile destroyers hooked up to the internet in such a way that you could just click a few mouse buttons and launch a missile right no <laughs> Remotely, no. Re- remotely, no, over the internet. No,
2: no turning the double keys with two guys at the same time at a physical location. Yeah,
1: but uh, well, but on the other hand, every government <laughs> in the world is apparently given the keys to their nuclear missiles to the UN, and now have to yeah. ask nicely to get yeah, them back. Exactly,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> like, well, so your conventional <laughs> weapons you can access over the internet, but the nuclear weapons I have to go ask Buchos Butros Gali to to let me fire one. I mean, just. Oh, and the Security Council votes to allow them to shoot their, Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Anybody who has ever studied the UN <laughs> knows, first of all, a country to, to do that would be suicidal. Yeah. And that the UN would do absolutely nothing. Right. Because or, the UN does absolutely nothing. Or they would have given the codes to Kim
1: Jong il. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at it's, the time.
2: It, it, it's just crazy. I, I think it's a little more comprehensible from a European perspective, because Europeans, speaking just in aggregate, not about individuals, but in Europe, the United Nations is valued much more highly than it is here in America. And here in America, we tend to perceive more flaws in the United Nations and the way it operates. And how little tin pot dictatorships are given outsized amounts of power that effectively impedes stuff from happening, um, like human rights violations would be yep. addressed if it wasn't for the fact that so many of these little oppressive nations are in control of the key committees exactly. in the United Nations. And so the idea of giving nuclear control to this kind of an organization from a, from an American perspective is would just be totally crazy
1: yeah i mean this remember this is uh it's aired in uh beginning of april 2005 the eu was strong the the idea of a european union and international cooperation that was the on this big level. dream yes this yeah. was so this was this was still strong there was no brexit for many years to come um
2: I, i'd so- like ham and eggs for my brexit
1: please <laughs> exactly So uh, some key points. uh, The the uh, the 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 overarching story for this season is Bad Wolf. That's the, and we Mm -hmm. have a a kid spray painting the TARDIS, uh, spray painting Bad Wolf on the TARDIS. um, Yeah, which uh, nice
2: nice Easter egg for the for the viewers trying to figure out at this point what Bad Wolf is.
1: Yeah, Um, we have uh, Jackie smacking the Doctor. Uh,
2: gotta love that. I mean, (laughs) great moment, but then we smashing in the sense of slapping him with her hand, not kissing him. Yes.
1: Sorry. The Americanism. Uh, but then we smash cut to Rose and Jackie embracing and crying in the kitchen. Like I just, it's weird editing. Weird. Like I don't know. It's just another bad thing on top of everything else. Um, so apparently Rose and the doctor are now one year ahead. Okay. So it's 2006.
2: Yeah, and that's something I wanted to talk about because it kind of echoes something that they did with Classic Who. Um, now, just dramatically, so, you know, it's been all, all over Classic Who. The Doctor couldn't control the TARDIS, and so showing him having a slip of a year – is Mm -hmm. is kind of a nice dramatic thing and i actually like the drama that that creates in rose's family life i think that you know i mean has she's vanished it's been a year has she been murdered you know what's going on um it, it that's really good as a as a dramatic choice i really like that um it also does something else that's a little less obvious to the to the audience unless you think about it um in Classic Who, we had lots of aliens. We had lots of alien invasions, but they never really made a major impact on world consciousness. Uh, we never really had a 20th century first contact story. And so even there was always kind of a reset button. By the end of the of the series, where um you know the public oh that Loch Ness monster that appeared in the Thames it was all you know special effects or something and so yeah. there would be some explanation for for uh, keeping knowledge of aliens from the public so they didn't panic and one of the but they still had an impact on human society and one of the ways they addressed that in the classic series was by having the unit stories set in like five years later. So instead of being in 1975, they'd be in 1980. And uh, there early on were references that Sarah Jane Smith would drop to being from 1980 and stuff like that. Mm. But then the writers forgot about that (laughs) and because it was so close that they – didn't, you know, there were no technological changes to show on screen. Right. So it kind of fell out of memory and they drop references to it being in the 1970s. And this has caused one of the great fandom controversies in Doctor Who fandom, the <laughs> unit dating controversy. So much. And it's, it's, it, it even in the Stephen Moffat era it got addressed on screen where, uh, when you have, uh, Lethbridge Stewart's daughter in charge of unit, at one point she's talking to, her aide whose name I'm blanking on the one who's later replaced by uh, oh uh,
1: uh, Osgood.
2: Osgood Osgood yeah yes. um, and she's talking to Osgood and and references the unit dating controversy saying it depends on which which way you're looking at the files and <laughs> and, and so it's like a filing system issue um, but uh, but here we have what that did was it allowed them to take greater liberties in the writing like having a Loch Ness monster show up in the Thames, which was obviously something that hadn't happened in real life. Um, And so here we see Russell T. Davis doing the same thing on a smaller scale where you can have an alien spaceship smash into Big Ben, but dramatically that's eased by the fact, oh, this is a year in our future. This hasn't happened yet. And so, um, so they're doing a kind of similar thing here, but just like the unit dating thing people tended to forget that from here on out all of the doctor who stories in this era are set a year in the future fortunately they even though they seem to everybody seems to forget about that fact they're not um uh they they don't end up generating the same kind of controversy because it's only a year in the future
1: right and you know th- there, there's not as much consequence to forgetting they don't mention it you know they don't mention the year or anything like that i think mm-hmm. it uh, hardly at all anyway so it doesn't i really... think they do
0: mention the year 2006 at one point okay, mm-hmm. okay. so but, I mean, uh that's literally all it is it's just kind of a quick mention and moves yeah.
2: on you know they don't dwell on. yeah it. right like in the christmas episodes or something it may come up
1: yes christmas 2006 yep
2: but as we all know time can be rewritten so <laughs>
1: yeah. wibbly
0: wobbly timely whimy yes
1: yeah. apparently so uh, rose I wish they could rewrite these episodes. Rose and the yeah. doctor are uh on the rooftop after uh Jackie being so upset um with the worst background green screen backdrop ever <laughs> um it looked terrible um and then we have a, a crashing spaceship fly overhead um which sounds suspiciously
0: I, like a crashing propeller plane yeah, exactly. You know, I liked, I liked the dialogue in this scene. I, I, that was, you know, Rose is, she's almost despondent that she really can't talk about what was going on, what was happening. I'm the only person on earth who knows that there's aliens. And then they have this spaceship crash <laughs> and she just, that's yeah. just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good, that was a good moment. That, I, I, I really did like that scene. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too, that, that, you know, of course we're watching this now. We're rewatching we this now because of course the spaceship takes out big Ben and, as we're recording this, they just shut down Big Ben's chimes because they have to like completely repair and clean the entire right. mechanism. Yeah, So they're going to have like a motor keeping one of the clocks running, one of the, the dials running, but there won't be any of the, the famous Big Ben chimes till the year 2021, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. like at least uh, f- four years. Maybe, maybe really an alien spaceship crashed into <laughs> it and they're trying to fix it. That's the <laughs> cover story. Yeah, exactly.
1: What is it about disaster movies and this sort of thing that likes to take out national landmarks? Uh, you know, a famously Independence Day blows up the White House, and you know it's just this. It's uh, who's the the guy who did uh, Independence Day? Uh, Roland Emmerich. He loves mm-hmm. to take out everything. He took out the 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 Vatican.
2: He took out the White House. Uh, it's it's a trope in disaster movies. It's a way of making the drama real for the audience, you know, to, or more to amp up the emotion to show you something you know that's a big landmark and then destroy it. I mean, just imagine, um, you know, if in the 1990s we saw a movie where set in New York and the World Trade Center got taken out, right? You know, that's more dramatic than just some fictional city seeing a building come down. If it's something you recognize and then, you know, think about the emotion that we all felt when it really happened in real That's life. True. I mean, it was exactly. devastating.
1: That's true. That's true. Um. So a Rose and the Doctor, so they take off to run to the site of the uh, of the crash in the Thames because taking the TARDIS would be conven- the TARDIS would be convenient and the mm-hmm. deus ex we would lose drama. He uh, did
2: just miss by a year so.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah he's probably <laughs> feeling a little squeamish about taking it again.
1: <laughs> I suppose, although he seems to drive it pretty well uh, later on. Um, so they get, the, you know, they, they, they're blocked from getting to the Thames and seeing the for themselves, and so Rose has the bright idea of, let's watch TV news instead. Um, oh, yes. Mm, and then we have this news. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> We have this way too long montage of the doctor watching TV in Jackie's apartment with everybody in the neighborhood coming in and, and <clears throat> distracting I, I, him.
2: I did love and this is something that who fans and people from England will will appreciate more. But I did love in that sequence the fact that we're what we get a clip from Blue Peter. Yeah. Um Blue Peter is a show is a children's show. In England, it's kind of like their Sesame Street. It's that kind of has that kind of popular penetration of young children's culture. Yep. And so it's this classic long running show. It's been around for decades and it has a tight connection with Doctor Who. Um, doctor Who uh, actors would appear on it like John Pertwee appear mm-hmm. would appear as the doctor on Blue Peter yep. and uh, former actors from Doctor Who. uh Peter Purvis, who was uh, the first Doctor's companion, Stephen, became a regular presenter on Blue Peter. And so you have – and they they would do contests on Blue Peter about Doctor Who and children would win stuff. Some, like, Doctor Who robots were designed by children watching Blue Peter. And and so there's this long-running connection between the two shows that normally only would go one way. The Doctor would appear on Blue Peter – but Blue Peter would never appear on Doctor Who. And so here we get that finally happening, and they're like making a an alien spaceship cake on Blue Peter, you know, which is exactly the kind of thing they would do on Blue Peter exactly. to help children process aliens actually appearing. Right. And so I just even though it's too long, I love the Blue Peter stuff.
1: Okay. So uh, let's move to Downing Street, where the, the prime minister is missing. There is apparently one person in government who is all of government. He's the aide to the prime minister, um, this one fellow who, who, who's in charge of everything. Uh, he has the acting the, PM. The, the
2: Puba, the Lord High Everything Else.
1: Yeah, yeah, this, this, yeah the, the, the assistant for, for all, all, all government affairs. Um, it has the, uh, the acting prime minister, this, the, the next highest ranking um, MP, apparently, uh, who is alone for hours and hours with an, a liaison from MI5 and the head of transportation. And nobody apparently thinks this is strange
0: that the rest of the cabinet, the opposition. Uh, well, it's, it's brought up and he's just like, "Ah, oh, we don't need them. We don't need to pull them <laughs> out, you know, just kind of brushes it off.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And and I noticed nowhere is the queen ever consulted in anything. Now, I know that the queen is not she doesn't rule things, but you, I, I don't know. I just feel like and maybe maybe brits would would could would, would uh, correct me on this but you just feel like the queen would be involved in like the prime minister's missing so maybe the queen should be consulted or something but it just mm-hmm. it just feels so uh so badly
2: thought out yeah well y- well yeah um i mean at <laughs> some at, at some point um the queen would need to be consulted with there are certain very huge decisions, you know, that even if it's not written down, that you right. need to consult the queen about that in practice, you really would need to consult the queen just to get her in the loop. Perhaps even if she like doesn't,
0: the prime minister's <clears throat> menacing and aliens have crashed in London. That might be right. a very big thing to consult with. Yeah, so,
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the integrity of Her Majesty's government is at stake here. And um, so Her Majesty ought to be consulted. Having said that, they're in the middle of a crisis. And so there could be rationale for we need to know more first. You know, we need to get to a more stable point before we do this consultation. But they don't give us any of that dialogue. So they right. just ignore the problem.
1: Right. Um, and we 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 get the first of our... Uh... Uh, jokes about uh, gas and uh and
2: farting uh, here and and for people who haven't seen these horrible episodes the idea is that these aliens are fitting inside of human suits but these are very big aliens yeah, they they're look like,
0: they're like they nine look like 9 foot tall aliens fitting in an average sized human
2: right and so they're they're and they look they look horrible anyway i mean they look number one like giant mutated babies Yes. And so that's off-putting. And then they look like badly designed giant off-putting babies. <laughs> so it's it, it's not just a bad design. It's a badly executed design.
1: Least terrifying and, monsters ever. <laughs>
2: yeah. And they're supposed to be like super keen hunters and stuff, which makes no sense. But they're they're these huge aliens supposed to fit inside a normal human suit. So they use a compression field to shrink down and – that causes a problem with gas exchange, which leads to uncontrollable farting and uncontrollable fart jokes.
1: <laughs> yep. Yes. Uh, I mean, like one here or there that appeals to the 15 year old in me, but gosh, it was it was just overdone, like just overdone.
2: Yeah. I sent my 15 year old to his room a long time ago. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so... um they, the, the, a body is recovered from the spaceship, it's taken to the morgue, um, where no one is guarding it, because we know that, of course, alien bodies must be dead when they appear dead. Um, and then the the lone female doctor, of course, in the morgue at night, in darkness, hears a noise coming from the, the, the morgue freezer, and approaches it slowly, instead of and alone, instead of, I don't know, calling somebody... <laughs> The Gee, what 20 guards be? that
0: are sitting down the hall in the break room maybe <laughs> right
1: and it turns out it was a pig in a spacesuit uh a, a a uh fake intelligent made intelligent pig
0: uh, that no one could tell it was a pig like it just <sighs> so the doctor is an has... alien what, are, what do you expect aliens to look like little uh, green men uh i like certain look like rhinoceros <laughs> little, in space little pink pigs <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: So, uh, and the doctor gets all upset when one of the soldiers shoots the pig. Um, but the doc, the, the, the soldiers aren't too upset. They know bacon is on the menu. Um,
2: you were waiting I, for that, weren't you? Yeah, I was.
1: <laughs> uh, just- I,
2: I did like the, the, the little bit of pathos with the pig, you know what I mean? I mean, it was scared.
1: Right. The doctor was very concerned that the, uh, the, the pig was made intelligent and then basically tortured and killed or, you know, and abused
2: and abused. Yeah, yeah. And
0: abused you uh, intelligence enough intelligence to be able to fly the spaceship and that's about it.
2: Right. Incidentally, this is not the first like intelligent use of an intelligent pig as in Doctor Who because we've had um in a Tom Baker series called uh The Talons of Wing Chiang th- th- from like the 51st century there was this <clears throat> um monstrosity called the Peking homunculus which was a little bitty guy in kind of a Chinese costume with like a face mask and everything um, that had the cortex of a pig and that was part of the sort of body horror of this thing is like it had a pig's brain and it it was it it was driven by animal instincts and was like shooting everybody up at the climax of the episode with the late giant laser and so we've had this kind of pig inside of something else monster thing you know before a doctor who but there it was played for terror <clears throat> and here it was more played for sympathy
1: yeah interesting and pig is often it used i don't know for some reason it's it's you know we kind of think of pigs as disgusting but pigs mm-hmm. are also known for being one of the more intelligent animals yeah so yeah, uh, so i think and, some of
2: that plays and they're domesticated, so we're they're part of our culture, but they're also and they're also similar to us enough biologically that they get used in medical experiments. Yep. And so there's this kind of weird relation that we have with pigs that makes them both repulsive but also sympathetic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this episode is actually the the return of unit for the first time. Um
2: we we've, mm-hmm. we've get uh, uh, no no longer United Nations Intelligence Task Force, but now United Integrated Task Force, or whatever their new acronym, right. acronym
1: is. Right, right. Um, they don't. I mean, it's that this. They're otherwise not all that remarkable, frankly. Their their return here, but just they're here. Um, I I have a note for at one point. Um, uh, Harriet Jones says, uh, you know, he's alien. And why does he have a northern accent? And Rose replies, lots of planets have a north.
0: Yep, which beats yeah. that
1: line. Which, yeah, yep. which is
2: the, from... Uh, Heard that before yes. from the pilot.
1: Yep. yep. Um, we have a scene where Jackie and Mickey are uh, attacked by a, uh, a Slitheen in disguise, and the doctor tells them to kill it by throwing vinegar at it. And we get the story that Hannibal was able to cross the alps by dissolving boulders with vinegar is this true this really happened does anyone know
2: i i think it i think something like that is mentioned in the sources i i haven't investigated it thoroughly but i think that is mentioned in the sources
1: uh it's a it's a very interesting uh fact if true
2: uh yeah um, by the way the we something else that's interesting here is i like the fact that even though i hate the slithine I like the fact that that's not their race's name. Right. Uh, for for once, we have, uh, you know, a term that you would assume because it's just the way it sounds, Slitheen, it sounds like the word slither with that, you know, nominalizing suffix on the end, the ing, the n on the end. So Slitheen sounds like it's a great alien name. But for once, they say, no, it's not. It's their family name. So it's like the yeah. Joneses. Um, and instead, their racial name is like. Raxa Um And so I like the I like the polysyllabic name for their species because not every name should be easy for humans to say. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> and the one that is easy for humans to say and that just seems to fit them as disgusting monsters is actually their family name.
1: That's right. Uh, there's lots of running around in Downing Street uh, until they, the doctor finally barricades himself with Rose and Harriet Jones in a conference room. <clears throat> um, he manages to, to get Mickey to make that aforementioned harpoon missile strike on Downing Street, destroying the building in a Slothene. Everyone gets away because, you know, a harpoon missile is is a contained uh, striking weapon. Um, <laughs> well, nobody it else gets turn airport, Just the building. Yeah. Just yeah. the building. and the, uh, the, the
2: kinetic uh, equivalent of a neutron bomb.
1: Right. Um, you have uh, this... Reinforced um conference room saves the doctor and rose and harriet jones because you know the kinetic energy of a of this thing getting blown up around them would not cause any injury of course
0: no one would survive well, the fact well and the fact they got bounced around like a beach ball as right. it was being blown up they show that room bouncing around right right mm-hmm. so uh so they they they
1: emerge um and then we're told um Uh, The doctor says, oh, Harriet Jones. That's why I remember the name. Uh, She's the architect of Britain's golden age, Uh, Mm -hmm. which which I'm disappointed that it actually never that never actually happens.
2: Um, Yeah, we'll hear and we'll I know when we get to it, we'll talk more about that because the the doctor himself derails that future in the Christmas invasion. Um, But uh, but it is um, it is a nice moment. In this episode, I think Russell T. Davis later ruins it. Um, but for if you just take this episode for what it is, it is a nice moment at the end where Harriet Jones, not even really aware of her own destiny goes off to embrace it and it's like she's yep. going to be the rebuilder after all this devastation she's going to be the one to bring in the new golden age for england and that's a great moment even if it's tacked on to the end of a couple
0: of really dog poop episodes <laughs> right this yeah there was the it was the, one of the very few bright spots in this uh... like i said you know the, the one good thing about this episode was, was introducing harriet jones yeah you know, literally yes. that was the one bright point of this episode
1: yes i'm trying to think about another bright point but there isn't well <laughs> so, uh, we covered a few but <laughs> she's did, the main died. one yes yes yeah.
2: uh so anything else oh, that also we have a little bit of redemption for mickey at uh, this point yes he takes sort of takes his first step from being a cringing wastrel coward to functioning as a companion
1: right yep. yes he did there's a couple of good moments for for him here and uh his his journey upwards has begun. That and,
0: and, and to be fair, for for Mickey's case, you know, I know someone commented on our Facebook forum that the actor basically said that when they first started recording, he had no idea how the character was to be played. They just gave him lines, so he played it the best he could. And of course, he comes off looking like the cringing coward. But as and of course, you see, we'll see that as we go along in the series. He his character really develops. I think he's yeah. probably one of the big characters that develops the most in these early seasons yeah. yeah even more
2: than jackie i mean by the end even jackie is coming off sympathetic exactly but she's never she doesn't become the kind of competent person that mickey does no
1: yeah and um i think in fact that he was the the actor said that he was he thought he was supposed to be comic relief and that's how right. he played it was, was mm-hmm. sort of a uh the, well and he the, was a comedian
0: the yeah. actor is a comedian too i mean so that makes sense
1: Anything else that needs to be said about these two episodes? Anything you wanna?
2: <sighs> they're <add>? over.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I I gotta make the joke. Uh, these were stinkers, and I'm not talking about the gas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you can.
2: It's a double entendre.
1: Yeah, they, exactly. Well, they, yeah. you know, you, if they, it's their own fault, you they, you know, you live by the farts, you die by the fart joke. So uh, they mm-hmm. they'll have to they'll have to suffer for that one. Um. All right, that's it from us, folks. We've tortured you enough, tortured ourselves enough talking about these. We'll move on to bigger and better things. Uh, good. Good times are coming in the, the next few episodes of, uh, the epi- of series. Um, what's this? Well, the
2: first season series of, one of New Who. That
1: that's right. I, I try to always try to the best way to say it. Uh, good things should come in. it it goes up from here. Um, Empty Child is a few episodes away but uh first uh, so well first what did you think uh give us your best uh did you like these two episodes i i, I believe there must be yeah. people out there who like these two episodes give us your best defense or, tell, tell or us at why we least you we're think wrong. we're
2: way too hard
1: yes tell us tell yeah. us why if you agree with us unleash unleash everything on these two episodes <laughs> one way or the other tell us what you think uh
2: but keep it clean
1: but keep it clean yes uh Visit us at uh, Tridio.com, T-R-I-D-E-O.com. Come to our Facebook page, Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Leave us some feedback. Send us an email, Who at sqpn.com. Uh, send us a, a, a voice and audio recording of your of your feedback uh, using the voice memo function on your phone and then emailing it to us. Uh, you can find links to all our personal social media and our websites and our show notes uh, on Tridio.com. We'll be back next week when we'll be discussing the fourth Doctor Regeneration story, Logopolis. Uh Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for sharing in The Secrets of Doctor Who. My pleasure, Dom. And Father Cory Stika, thank you as well. My pleasure as well. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening. And remember, victory should be naked. When will I see you again? Uh,
2: soon,
0: I expect. Or later. One of those...
2: <sighs> <I laughs> forgot that line.
1: <laughs> oh boy.